freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, November 11th, 2012. Today is 11-11. A huge day with spiritual significance as far as numerology is concerned because the 1111 uh, in numerological terms occultically is a light worker's call. And I would suggest that's why it is also Veterans Day because the dark occultists who own the minds of order followers want to associate that with doing the light worker's work when it has absolutely nothing to do with that, when in fact the following of orders without question, which is what all military service, my light awry service is all about. It's about dispelling the light and it's about doing the bidding of one's occult globalist masters. It has absolutely nothing to do with spreading the light, but of course they want to associate it with that great, that true great work. So 1111, the light workers call, many people um, have brought that to uh, the forefront over the last many years, and many people have experienced the synchronicity of seeing the numbers 1111, especially those who are waking up to the true nature of the reality in which we are all embedded. So today on the show, we're going to continue with solutions-oriented approaches, and I'm going to open up the phones for the whole show because last week I had apologized at the end of the show. I did not get around to um, getting to your calls. We talked last week about the 10th and really the final grassroots solution that I wanted to outline in any kind of depth. Of course, we can get into many other solutions as the weeks progress, but as far as the big 10 grassroots solutions for positive change as part of the section that I call the way out 
in the presentation of uh, the material here on what on earth is happening. We talked about entheogens, entheogenic compounds, also known as psychedelics, and how if they were used in the proper context, they could significantly open consciousness and open one up to the nature of the true self and essentially motivate someone to um, take part and take responsibility in a deeper sense of exposing the truth in our world and working uh, toward really uh, empowering people to make positive and lasting changes in their lives so that we can rectify the problems that we've been experiencing here on earth in human consciousness. So last week we got into things like how entheogens, if they're used properly, can help to bring the brain to a place of balance and that it can set right in certain imbalances toward in certain modalities of consciousness uh, in the physiological sense within the brain. We talked about the importance of set and setting, the mindset that you approach such an experience with and the, uh, the actual environmental conditions that you are going to engage uh, such work within. We talked about the difference between the use of these um, helpers, these spirit helpers is what I call them, and the abuse of them, using them for the wrong reasons or just simply in the wrong ways. And I believe there are proper methodologies for their use and improper ones. We talked about personal responsibility being something that has to be engaged um, in this type of activity, if one is going to undertake it at all times and places, you're always responsible for your own actions. And we talked about, above all else, the concept of self-ownership, that no one has a right, no one has the right to tell you that you may not engage in such activity of the employment of entheogenic substances, if that is your will to do so, because you own your own body, you own your own mind, your consciousness is yours to explore as you see fit, so long as you are hurting no one else. Therefore, no one else may say that that is off limits for your exploration. And um, before we move on and get into this in a deeper way, I do have a couple of uh, quick event announcements. Before we do that, I want to give the call-in number for the show. The call-in number is 866-841-1065. Once again, the call-in number toll-free, 866-841-1065. Call in and get in the queue because we're going to open up the phone lines for the entire show. Your calls, and I want to hear from you on the topic of entheogens, psychedelics, okay? We're talking about psychedelics here. That's what entheogens are, just a different name for um, these spirit guides that are here to help us to expand consciousness when, in fact, we find ourselves backed into a corner as far as consciousness is concerned and having a difficult time um, breaking out of the very shallow confines that we've worked ourselves into as far as what is possible, what is real, um, truth versus falsehood, etc. So I want to hear from people uh, who have successfully employed entheogens to their benefit as far as opening up their own awareness goes. I want to hear personal experience reports, if you care to share them. I want to hear your thoughts as to the, uh, the absurdity 
of the continued prohibition of these compounds and sent people uh, saying they have absolutely no therapeutic value when in fact that is exactly what they are intended to be used for by nature itself. Um, if you've had a negative encounter or experience with them, I want to hear about that too. So your calls will make the show today. We're talking about entheogenic compounds or in other words, psychedelics. And we're talking about them specifically in the context as a solution to help us to expand human consciousness and awareness and how they could be used as such if we take the time to understand both themselves and ourselves, and they can be tools and helpers to help us to understand ourselves better. But if we employ these tools uh, with a healthy level of respect in their proper in a proper context, in a sacred context, uh, I have called it. So that's coming up on What on Earth is Happening Today. And I have a couple of quick event announcements. Of course, coming up in April of 2013, the Free Your Mind 2 conference, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. Here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on April 25th, 26th, and 27th of 2013. The location is the beautiful Arch Street Meeting House here in Philadelphia at 320 Arch Street. The featured speakers, Alan Steinfeld, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bashago, Ben Stewart, Bob Tuscan, Kathy O'Brien, Curtis Davis, Dr. Dream, Freighter X, Freeman Fly, Jan Irvin, Jay Parker, Jim Fetzer, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Lennon Honor, Loren Moray, myself, Mark Passio, Mark Phillips, just announced this week, I haven't even gotten a chance to get his bio up onto the conference website. I'll be doing that in the next day or two. Marty Leeds will be speaking at the Free Your Mind conference. We're really thrilled to have him aboard. Randall Carlson, Ross Ben, and Sonia Barrett. 23 speakers lined up so far. We're still uh, going to fill, I, th I believe, one more spot. So there'll be 24 in total over this three-day unique event here in Philadelphia next year. Advanced ticket prices very reasonably priced for the Thursday conference, $30. For the Thursday meet and greet with vegetarian food served, we, were, we are also planning on having a musical event as part of the meet and greet. That is to be announced. Only $20 for that event. The Friday conference, $40, and the Saturday conference, $40. For all three days, the whole package, including the meet and greet with a meal and a concert. And I can say that more likely than not, we are going to be able to confirm the concert. I don't know that for 100% certain, but it is about 95%. I'm going to, uh, to hammer out the details during the week, and I should be able to make the announcement for next week, hopefully. But um, for the entire package with all of uh, that you get with a conference with 24 speakers plus the meet and greet with a meal and a concert, $120 advanced ticket price. A, an advanced ticket sale, ladies and gentlemen, is better than a donation. If you're planning on coming out to the Free Your Mind conference, get your tickets in advance. Advanced tickets will help to offset the cost up front for 
all of the travel expenses and lodging expenses that the organizational team for the conference is going to have to shell out in order to bring all of these great speakers to Philadelphia. This is going to be the biggest event of its kind on the East Coast next year, bar none. Get your tickets in advance. For more information, for more speaker bios and ticketing information, please visit the conference website at www.freeyourmindconference.com. The Free Your Mind 2 Conference, April 25th, 26th, and 27th, right here in Philadelphia. The Truth, Freedom, Prosperity Documentary and Screening, Documentary Screening and Discussion Evening, will be taking place Thursday, November 29th, 2012, here in Philadelphia at Essene Food Market, on the corner of 4th and Monroe Streets, 719 South 4th Street, the exact address, here in Philadelphia. 6.30 p.m. sharp screening time because we have a, a bit of a longer documentary planned for this month. And this month we will be showing the documentary Turning Point, a new documentary on the Bilderberg Group, the globalist think tank, the dark occult organization known as the Bilderberg Group. Turning Point is an excellent documentary. I highly, highly encourage people to check it out. If you're in the Philadelphia area on Thursday, November 29th, come on out to Essene Food Market and catch Truth, Freedom, Prosper Truth, Freedom, Prosperity's free documentary screening and discussion evening featuring Turning Point. For more information, please visit truthfreedomprosperity.org. Okay, the ad-free chip-in effort for the show stands right now at still $200. We didn't get any new donations this week. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please keep the donations for this effort going. Um, any small amount helps. We need 1000 raised by the end of January in order to keep the show ad-free during the two hours that it is on the air. So um, if we don't want the show to go back to having, you know, tons of commercials in, in the middle of, of this, you know, segments, uh, please make a, a, even a small contribution. Uh, um, many hands lighten the work. So uh, even a lot of small donations will add up. So um, the ad-free chip-in effort, you can go to the What on Earth is Happening website and right there in the top of the news section, you'll see the, um, the link to make a donation to the chip-in effort, and you will be able to see the chart at where the, the donations stand currently. All right. So, last week we talked about psychedelics as a solution in consciousness um, to help expand awareness. If, it is, if they are employed, if they are communed with in the proper context. Now, two things I did um, neglect to do. I actually talked about one uh, of these things, but I said that I was going to post the picture. I didn't get around to making that until the middle of the week, so I posted it with the images for today's show that are up on the radio show page or with the podcast. Image number nine you can go to in the uh, radio show page uh, underneath the player where you'll see the numeric links listed for images for today's show. And image number nine is the image that I briefly talked about last week that I was going to post, the word communion. And I did have an inaccuracy in last week's broadcast regarding the etymology of the word communion, which I want to clarify today. I um, inadvertently said that munio munere meant uh, to think, but it does not. It actually means to build up or to strengthen 
or to fortify. That's what uh, munio means. So communion then means to strengthen together, which is why it is a coming together, okay, in a communal sense. And communion is sharing together. And in doing so, you are building strength among the community, okay? So true communion is strengthening together, fortifying together. And what I would suggest that internal communion does when you take true, a true sacrament, not an inert one, an activated sacrament, is it is strengthening together the left and right hemispheres of the human brain to build that temple that is within mankind, to build it more strongly, to build it up, to strengthen it, to fortify, to protect. This is what the word, the verb in Latin, munio munere means, okay? So when you put it together with com, communion, it means to build up together, to strengthen together, to protect together. A very interesting connotation regarding what the word communion actually means from an etymological point of view. The other thing that I neglected to do last week that I want to do briefly here at the uh, the top of the show before we start with start in with uh, callers is there was a quote on the last slide last week which I didn't get to read uh, because we you know we ran out of time by Terence McKenna who I consider a um, very very profound influence in the employment of entheogens psychedelics in my own life. And many will have, you know, different takes on McKenna, and that's fine. I happen to think he largely was a very uh, well-intentioned human being, and he was off on some of the things that he got into and spoke about, but I don't hold that against anybody. Not every single person will have every single aspect of the picture or puzzle. Therefore, um, I do look at McKenna's work as very valuable. Uh, I highly recommend his books, especially Food of the Gods and um, The Archaic Revival. If you haven't already checked those out, they are, I think, essential reading. Um, he got into his time wave theory in depth with, in his book with his brother, Dennis McKenna, called The Invisible Landscape, which I think was also excellent, but a very technical read. But um, Terence McKenna was a wordsmith. He understood the power of words, the power of language to affect and influence the mind. And he had a, a way with words and he uh, could also have been, you know, comical and uh, ironic at times as well. So uh, I had a quote at the end of last week that I didn't get to, so I want to read that now. And it's a quote by Terence McKenna. Terence once said that if the words life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness don't include the right to experiment with your own consciousness, then the Declaration of Independence isn't worth the hemp it was written on. And that's just it. That hits the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned because the entire issue about um, entheogenic employment has everything to do with self-ownership. That if you are the one who gets to decide how your consciousness is going to be directed and steered, okay, if you're the one doing that and no one else is actually in charge of that or owns your consciousness, then how can anyone say that an experience that exists within a human being is actually off limits? 
That's the definition of tyranny as far as I am concerned. That is the definition of slavery as far as I am concerned because what someone else is saying to you is that they own your body and they own your mind, that it is theirs and they can get to determine what you may experience with your body and mind. So I don't see how it could possibly be any more clear cut. But maybe we have people who actually disagree with that. So let's go to the phones and we'll take your calls for the rest of the show. The toll-free number to join us once again, 866-841-1065. Call to join us on What on Earth is Happening. Our topic for today is psychedelics. Okay, here we go. Area code 602, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Mark. It's Ivan from Phoenix. Ivan, welcome. Good to hear from you. Do I sound much better this week? Yes, not bad. The connection? Okay, because I'm at work, but not in a different section, so... No problem. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I listened to your show last week, and as you were speaking... There were a few thoughts that came to mind sure. when you were talking about uh, entheogens and the mind um, being kind of dirty or cleaning it out. That reminded me of uh, Michael Cesarian, the, okay. um, the word sanitize, yes. which is to clean, to make clean, yes. and yet how that word is so close to the word insanity right. where the mind is dirty and it needs to be cleaned. That's right. And that's always stuck with me. That's always stuck with me how everybody every day brushes their teeth, takes yes. a shower, bathes and all this to be clean, but yet no one thinks to cleanse what's in their head, in their mind, in their brain, their way exactly. of thinking. And I, and I would think that these entheogens, these natural plants are like a natural way of cleansing the mind, That's cleansing right. the brain. The word psychedelics right. itself, the etymology of the word, psyche in Greek means mind, and delune, where the word, the second part of psychedelics comes from, delune is a verb in Greek that means to make clear or to make clean. Amazing that the right in the word it means to clear the mind or to clean the mind. And again, right, that right. goes hand in hand with sanity, sanitize, sanitation, to keep clean. And insanity is the opposite. It's dirtiness of the mind. It is, you know, uh, you know, sludge built up in the mind. All the negative and uh, untrue and completely erroneous uh, axioms that we have taken into ourselves and built up over time, these things can help to clean, to cleanse, to, to clear away. Very powerful uh, as far as words, just the simple meanings of words go, how much we can understand about, you know, um, what these um, helpers are really here to do, to help us to do. Right, I agree. And there was another thing um, along those same lines, um, how some people kind of don't require entheogens kind of on, on their own, through their own life experiences. They can free themselves from this dirty mind, this insanity, whereas some other people, like let's say law enforcement or, or left brain people, right. they kind of need that extra boost. They need the soap. They need the concentrated dosage, and that's what the entheogens, I would suggest, 
is for people right. of that mindset. It's something that forces them to face, you know, uh, their dirtiness or yes. whatever. I would agree, and I would say that, um, you know, the individuals who may not require such uh, deep cleaning, so to speak, are, are those who, uh, the, the, the balance of the brain hemispheres is probably not that far out of alignment, maybe slightly have a slight tendency toward one side or the other, but it's not really way out of alignment and it's not chronically out of alignment. When it's chronically out of alignment to one brain hemisphere, uh, particularly the left brain hemisphere, that's when these uh, helpers, these spirit helpers and guides can really be of very beneficial use if they're used the right way. Right, right. And then one last thing along the same lines that reminded me of uh, a story that Ram Das one mentioned about his teacher, how he gave him a whole bag full of these uh, entheogens, and his teacher consumed the whole bag and asked him, hey, is this working? And, he, you know, Ram Das tells him, why? Well, back to the whole bag and nothing's happening. And Ram Das is like, oh, my God, you could overdose. And he talks about how someone who was already of an open mind, already enlightened, can take these things, and it's like, yeah, I'm already there. Where is this supposed to take me? Right, right. It's all about cleansing the mind's eye. Uh, It's been called many different things. It's been called the third eye. You know, it's been called the one eye. It's been called the center of the self. It's been called the seat of the soul. It's been called, you know, the doors of perception, many different things it's been called, but ultimately it's our connection with the higher self and our ability to see reality as it truly is. And that's really that what has become fogged and clouded up and, you know, just tons of dirt thrown on top of it. And uh, again, these things can be cleansing agents if they are used properly and if they are used with respect in a, a conscious context. Uh, if we have the will to employ them in that way, I think they can be very uh, beneficial uh, symbionts for humanity to really help us to get through the uh, the dangerous and devastating stage in consciousness, which most of us here on Earth are trapped in at the current time in history. Exactly, and that's why the powers that should not be will tell people... Um, you're not dirty. That's the way you should be. Being covered in goop and, you know, being on that, that's, that's fine. That's the way it should be. That way people won't go out and look for ways of cleansing themselves. For example, cannabis, that's bad, that's illegal. Uh, marijuana, um, uh, mushrooms, ayahuasca, all this stuff, those are illegal. Don't do that. that. That's wrong because they know once people try these things, their perceptions will change and yes. see the crap for what it actually is. Sure. And again, keep yep. in mind, ladies and gentlemen, none of us are advocating irresponsible usage or abuse. We, you know, we accept that there is a proper usage for these um, helpers, and then there is an abusive use, or even to use them for simple escapism. You know, and I'm not saying you couldn't, uh, you know, smoke some cannabis, you know, to relax or to just, you know, kick back with friends or something like that. But I'm saying if you're going to really use psychedelics in their proper uh, perspective, in their proper context, it isn't about just escapism or having fun. And I talked about the joyride experience that you may get on the first couple of usages in that in that mental frame of mind. But that won't continue really indefinitely for the majority of people. Uh, they will m- begin to make you start to look at your own 
uh, shortcomings and make you analyze yourself. You know, make you do some psychoanalysis upon yourself in the throes of the experience, whether you really want to or not. And uh, I would suggest that's why they do not have any kind of a high abusage uh, rate because um, when people attempt to use them for the wrong reasons, oftentimes they get bit in the process by the, the, the helper or the consciousness that is within these compounds itself. It, it actually will bite them and say, hey, this isn't how this is really intended to be used. And you don't see a lot of people abusing these because one of their extreme power as far as uh, being able to change and modify and, and expand consciousness, and two, that they will make you look at your own crap, it, for lack of a better term. They'll make you turn and look at it. You know, it's like holding your face in front of a mirror, kind of. Uh, and at least that's been my experience and been many other people who I know's experience with them. So um, that's, I believe, why they're some of the most difficult things to abuse. Can they be abused? Yes, they can. We talked about that briefly last week. It is possible to abuse even these substances, but it's much more difficult than something like, you know, a street drug such as cocaine or or um, heroin or crack or something like that. These are not the same class of compounds, and that's the first myth that really needs to be dispelled: is that all drugs can be categorized in the as, in the same class as the same class of substances, and that is absolutely not true whatsoever. But that is what the dominators want people to think is true because they want to lump all of the beneficial things like cannabis or um, uh, psilocybin or dimethyltryptamine uh, in with the more um, possibly uh, destructive or abusive uh, classes of compounds such as heroin and, and uh, you know, concentrated cocaine such as, uh, such as crack. The, you know, they want that um, uh, obfuscated in the human mind to say, oh, it's all just grouped together. You lump that all together and those are drugs. And like I said last week, the, the compounds we're talking about here are no more quote-unquote drugs than I am quote-unquote a politician. Uh, they're worlds apart, worlds separated from that. Anybody that doesn't understand that clearly has not done the research. They have not actually looked into what these compounds actually are. So, Ivan, uh, fantastic call. Thanks so much for calling in. You always bring some great perspectives. Uh, did, did you have anything else? Um, not not right now offhand, but um, like I said, I'm at work, and I'm listening to your show through my phone, so I'll just stay on the line, and if you have another, great. you know, any downtime or anything, you can always just come back. Great. Always a pleasure to hear from you, my friend. You take care. All right. You too, Mark. Thank you. Okay. All right, let's go to another caller, area code 562. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Hey, what's your name? Raj. Rod? Raj, R-A-J. Raj, welcome. What do you have for us? First, just a quick shout-out to Popeye. He had you on, I don't know, a couple years ago, whatever. I was listening to his show, and... Uh, you were talking about the occult and your ties to yes. the uh, Church of Satan, or I forget which uh, position you held when you were on the quote-unquote dark side. So Papa, really appreciate Papa for having you on, and now find find your show, and your show has a lot of insight. And um, great, I just I feel like you offer a lot. Other shows haven't offered even other great shows. 
show hosting, so I really appreciate your work. Yeah, I appreciate uh, the compliment. And uh, Popeye from Federal Jack, he's a great guy. He has me on frequently onto his show on Orion Talk Radio. So um, that's great that you uh, heard about me in the show through Popeye, and uh, you know, glad that you've been uh, been listening and taking the information in and find it valuable. Exactly. And uh, back to the subject, I guess is um, I guess I want to touch on the historical aspect first because it's funny how I just you know what fifty, sixty years ago um, these drugs were just all legal pretty much, and I, I remember advertisements hundred years ago said if you had a toothache. Just rub some cocaine on it, right? So I guess it's I'm not advocating advocating cocaine use or heroin use or anything, but I remember what you said last week, how you must fight for someone's right to use even heroin, even though how uh, sure. absurd or crazy that might sound. Sure. Because I've personally known people who've used that, and just not, it's not fun stuff. Oh, absolutely. But, but as far as that, I guess it's, it's funny how people forget, you know, it's just their their grandparents and even their parents, they lived through times when everything was legal, it was just second nature, go to a local uh, drugstore to get heroin, to get cannabis, to get whatever. And now it's just, after, I guess, 1971, the drug war, they've, they've put all these memes in it, and people haven't even researched MK Ultra, which which is funny, I find that the U.S. government believed that the, the LSD that they were dosing people with could actually... Uh, change them and mold them, which I think they can if they keep on doing it every day. Right. But I feel like if they just do it once in a while, it's exactly the effects, the opposite effects um, proven for, to help people with PTSD. Yes. I know it's kind of the man-made version of some of the other options available like shrooms and DMT. But uh, my personal experience with shrooms and DMT, um, I think we're more on the uh, joyride level, and I feel like I agree with what you're saying is that I, I don't think I took in the proper environment. Um, so I feel like I need to, you know, get that set up, get my mindset set up and right. I guess when you're in college, when get, I guess when you're in college and whatnot, it's just a joy ride. Everything is. And so it's so important. The set and setting, it could, it could make or break the experience because I think it, it is really determining the, the respect that you're approaching the entire experience with. And I, I, I believe that the, the consciousness that you're communing with in that in the psychedelic experience kind of can sense that or it feels that and it knows where you're at and therefore it's going to kind of the, the experience is going to be tailored uh, for how you have prepared yourself to approach it without any question and yeah. Um, yeah, uh, what you said, I wanted to touch briefly on what you said about um, the government attempting to use these substances for mind control purposes. People really need to look into that, and that's definitely uh, accurate. Uh, MK Ultra, if uh, people who aren't familiar with this should definitely research it. Uh, we could do, you know, 10 shows on MK Ultra. There's so much material, and talk about the sick doctors and scientists who did these uh, experimentations on human beings, uh, you know, back in. Uh, the the 50s and 60s and you really and or leading up to the current day this is really an ongoing thing but um, you know they tried to use uh, uh, psychedelics to control the mind and really I feel that that fully backfired on them people will say oh well you know they were successful in a certain regard but as far as the psychedelics goes largely that opened up people's mind to uh, higher level of awareness and let let them look at the absurdity of what was taking place all around them. I don't really think it succeeded to the extent that 
a lot of people believe that it did. I think it really backfired on them, and they kind of uh, uh, ha- uh, let the the jack in the box out, so to speak. And it was very difficult to put that that cover back on, uh, that lid back on after it, that you know um, that um, uh, possibility escaped of what these things could be used for in a transfer transformational capacity. So um, that being said, it isn't to say that there can't be abusive usages of these against other people. They it absolutely could be done, but again, these substances are actually much more difficult to employ or use like that, and I think that's what some of these mind controllers who are you know trying to use them toward that aim found out uh, as part of MKUltra is that, hey, uh, this had an actual opposite effect and we're getting blowback from even attempting to have done this with the wrong choice of compounds. Uh, in effect, it, it got out and helped spark somewhat of an awareness. Now, I still think that that usage back in the ni- the way that it was used in the 1960s wasn't as responsible, n- nearly as responsible as it should have been. And therefore, it really didn't have a truly powerfully transformative effect on consciousness globally. But it did open up some people's minds, at least temporarily, to see, you know, that society was largely about control and violence and, um, you know, helped spur a lot of people on to to dig deeper and do some further research in their own respect. That being said, not every one of the people that, you know, uh, experimented with psychedelics back then fully awoke. And many of them got a glimpse and then went back to sleep. So, um, you know, it's all about sustained effort and it's all about really understanding the tool that you're going to be working with and then understanding yourself enough to engage a level of respect with, you know, your tool set and with the the, the consciousness that you're going to commune with, however you want to look at that. You know, you, want, you could look at it as, at a, as a tool. You could look at it as a consciousness that you're actually going to be interacting with at a personal level. Uh, I think either way of looking at that is basically fine as long as you you understand it in in context of wh- why you're doing this, you know what you want to achieve, and then um, again doing that in a responsible way. And to bring it back full circle, set and setting is one of the most two of the most important elements regarding that. The mindset, your pre-existing mindset has to be in the right place. You won't want to do this in states of, you know, extreme emotional trauma or stress. And you want to, would want to do it in a trusted environment, in a secure environment, in a place that is set up for such exploratory um, uh, usages and um, a, pl- a place where you feel comfortable and safe and you can really, you know, delve into the experience in a immersive way uh, and in a way that you're not going to be, you know, um, putting yourself in a position of irresponsibility by, uh, you know, being around, uh, circumstances and situations that you might, uh, you know, do something or, uh, mess something up in some sense or, you know, hurt somebody else. Uh, you know, it's as make, making the environment around you during the, um, employment of these substances as safe as possible so that you one you feel safe and your experience is as transformative as it can be and again you mitigate the possible uh, dangers that you might employ to somebody else in a altered state of consciousness again we talked about last week you would certainly not want to be in any kind of a position of you know responsibility for other people uh, in engaging these 
substances. You would certainly not want to be around operating any kind of equipment or machinery. That would be a completely irresponsible usage of something that is potentially transformative in a positive sense. So uh, great points that you've brought up regarding mind control and regarding the personal responsibility that needs to go into the, the choice of the, the proper mindset and the, and the environmental setting when you're going to do such work. So great points. Do you have anything else for us? Yeah, yeah. I had a couple other uh, points and I wanted to take your uh, comments on that. Sure. Have you heard anything about the uh, Silk Road and uh, the online Silk Road? <clears throat> and the connection with bitcoins? I am not familiar, no. Uh, have you heard of what bitcoin? Uh, I know about bitcoin, yes. Okay, so what these uh, people have done, these uh, quote-unquote drug dealers, they've created an online system through Tor. I don't know if you know what Tor is. Tor Did is the free internet uh, VPN, virtual it's, private network service. It's basically an anonymizer, so, so you could surf the web anonymously. Exactly. Yes. You log on to Tor, and you use the Warren, I guess the website, you can look, you can search this up. Obviously, I'm not advocating any of this, but I've, I've came across some articles. Know, but, and for those who don't it's know... It's quite, quite interesting. Yes, for those who don't know what Bitcoin is, very briefly, it's simply an online secure currency. Um, that is an electronic form of currency that is very secure and anonymous, uh, and it's relatively new. It's been been being used for a f la the last few years. Uh, it's starting to become a little bit more popular, and uh, uh, I guess they're using Bitcoin in conjunction with an anonymizer, a web anonymizer called Tor, uh, and explain what they're doing with it. Yeah, so what they're doing is they're bypassing the, uh, the you know the FBI the. Uh, all the uh, law enforcement and they're going privately and they're having this uh, forum and this marketplace for drugs basically and you could buy anything you could buy any ethnogen ayahuasca uh, LSD shrooms DMT ecstasy cannabis I mean you name it you can get a prescription drugs and it's all anonymous you pay through bitcoins it's all pretty much untrackable it's like ship it to wherever you want I mean they've it's it's, bit, it's I mean they're estimating it I forget the number of a couple million right now in sales, but you, you know you know how it is. It's all under the table, so yeah, the, we we don't know the numbers. The way I, the way I look it's just, at it's that amazing. is when someone's inherent rights are being abused, they're going to do whatever end runs they can to get around that abuse in a nonviolent way, and um, in that sense, I don't see a problem with anybody doing that because it is a voluntary transaction. And again, there's no violence involved, meaning there's no violation of someone else's inherent rights. If they're all adults, if they're all consenting, then there's no no harm, no foul. It is a right. Um, that being said, I think that the people who are so attached to want to control other people's body and mind are going to basically have there will be blowback from that and they'll try to shut this down, you know, as they always do, because their will to control is so strong and they're so diseased and sick. They're going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming because they actually believe they own other people's body and minds. They believe they are our owners. That's all this ultimately comes down to. And I don't think that that's even going to be sufficient to just get around them at a technological level. I personally think eventually someone is going to have to stand up to these people let them know 100% openly and forcefully, we are not your slaves, you do not own us, I own my body, I own my mind, I 
am the one who experiences my own consciousness and therefore I may do with it as I choose so long as I am harming no one else and I'm going to stop you in whatever way I need to employ to stop you from abusing and usurping other people's rights because you are not in the right to do that. You have no right. There is no inherent legitimacy for you to stop anybody from exploring their consciousness as they see fit so long as they are harming no one else. That is not a human right and it needs to be stopped. People not only need to try to do end runs around these people or ignore them, they, when they see rights being abused, they need to actually stop people from doing that behavior because to just continue and allow that behavior to, to go on unchecked is not is wrong in and of itself it's it's participation in a wrong you're watching somebody else do harm and you're sitting there and ultimately doing nothing and that's why i think there needs to be even stronger pushback against people who say uh, no, you don't have a right to explore your consciousness as you will. We do. It's a natural inherent right. It is a right that is given by the creator of the universe and no man or group of men or women can take it away. The end. So I guess you could say I support efforts like that. You know, I, I don't see any um, moral reason that doing something like that is wrong. So um, that's my take on, on that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's great that people are fighting back and the power of the technology and everything just uh, synergistically working together and people are just not waiting on the sidelines saying, hey, we're not going to wait for the government or whoever. We're going to create our alternative uh, systems to combat this. And, you know, they created the Internet through, through, through DARPA. And, you know, I'll take Nelson's Rockefeller's words. You know, he said we should have never created the Internet. So, they created it, we use it against them, and I feel like we have to do that on every front. You know, same with YouTube, they're censoring a lot of videos, but it's still uh, where most people get their videos, and you know, I'm happy you got, got a um, YouTube channel now, yes. so I, um, I subscribe to that. So uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, Absolutely. Look, look forward to the rest of your callers. Absolutely, thanks so much, great call. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I, I agree. That, that I believe there are positive uses of technology to get around the types of control that people believe they have a right to and have absolutely no right to. I think ultimately what we need is a whole lot more confrontation with dominators who actually believe that things that they do are their rights to do when in fact they have zero right to do what they're doing. See, no police officer can ultimately be a moral human being. Blanket statement, folks. Get as offended about it as you like. Blanket statement. If you're a cop, you're not a moral human being. No truly moral human being throughout history has ever been a cop. Upon becoming truly moral, if one was a cop, they have to stop being a cop. The end. That is a blanket statement, extreme, absolute truth. Why? Because a cop, by definition, is the follower of orders called laws, which are arbitrary dictates of man that do not always align with morality, with the laws of nature, with the laws of right and wrong under the creator of the universe. Therefore, they're saying this arbitrary dictate is law now, and I am a follower of the people who 
dictated this law, quote unquote. Therefore, I'm going to now enforce, I'm going to use force against anybody who is going against this arbitrary dictate. So if I see somebody driving down the road and they're not operating their vehicle improperly, you know, they're not op operating their car improperly, they're just simply traveling on their way and they have a uh, substance that I deem that the law, quote unquote, has deemed isn't is off limits for human consumption consumption and ownership then i get to physically stop them physically take their freedom away fine them demand money of them demand their property take what is theirs take their property from them the nerve of this attitude this is violence and people can't see it because they're so brainwashed. They initiated force when they had no right to initiate force because no, because no one else was being harmed. The only time anyone has a right to initiate force is when someone is being harmed and you are attempting to stop that harm from continuing. Then you have a right to initiate force. You never have a right to initiate violence because violence, by definition, is the initiation of force that you had no right to initiate. See, the difference is who started the force. If you're the one who started or initiated the force, you're not in the right. There is not a right to begin using force when no harm was taking place. And this is what every single cop throughout history does not understand. And the people who support police and support military, they don't understand the non-aggression principle. They don't understand that none of this is a right. It's always based on violence. The entire institution of police is based upon violence because all enforcement of law are enforcements of arbitrary dictate. You do not need law enforcers. You need people who are willing to exist in harmony with natural law. And if people abuse them, people in the community already possess the right to stop them from doing it. The problem is they want to shirk their personal responsibility and hand it off onto someone else and say, no, you act as the protectors of society. And people will say, well, then all people would be doing is trying to protect what they already own in their own product. Maybe that's what it would be. But why would it be like that? Because you didn't educate people from the beginning about what a right is and what a right is not. It isn't because human nature is so bad that people, the majority of people would just act as complete lunatic animals and go and steal, rape, and pillage. That is not human nature. And anybody that believes that it is is sick themselves with a poisoned worldview. It's the current condition of ignorance about what a right is and what a right is not, and that not being drilled, hammered into the brain, into the mind, into the psyche of the youth from the time they're out of the womb. And people will say, well, isn't that mind control? Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen, and I've said it before on the show. That's the proper use of the influence of, the other, of another person's mind. You start when that computer called the brain is young and you have to put proper software into it 
The problem is we have viruses. We have virus programs running in the brain, in the computer called the brain right now, as, a, as an entire society, as an entire species. Because proper software wasn't loaded when we were zero to six years old, when the brain is a completely absorptive computer, taking in everything, all stimuli from its environment, practically unfiltered, and accepting it, running it through that computer. That's how the brain operates at a very young age. They call it the formative years. Why do you think they call it the formative years, ladies and gentlemen? What's being done is a format of the hard drive, a format. That's why it's called formative years, formative, formative. The format is being done to the hard drive. Formatting a hard drive is setting up the file system so then it can accept an operating system and it can accept software. See, the whole analogy to the computer system, to the matrix, is so relevant to the actual reality of this world. And people don't think about it at that level because this all is a computer, folks, if you haven't figured that out yet. You're living in a quantum hologram. It's a quantum computer. That's what you're living in. That's what the whole experience of life is all about. And if you don't believe that, if you don't accept that as true, then uh, I would suggest that dimethyltryptamine might be able to help you out. Our friend Dimitri might be able to render his services for you, okay? And he'll show you that this is a quantum hologram. Very, very abruptly, he will show you that. Uh, okay, and those who have who have been there understand exactly what I'm saying. You'll know you're living in a, in a quantum hologram, believe me. But see, that's the problem. People are attached to this notion that their distorted perceptions are reality. And they're attached to the notion that because some sick psychopathic lunatics calling themselves lawmakers told them so that they have rights that they don't have like to take people and take their freedom because they're engaging in a substance in their own body or even perhaps uh, dealing with another human being, you know, and, and, and uh, conducting a voluntary transaction of a substance that harmed no one else, that both parties were fully consensual for, you know, it, they fully had their consent on both sides. There's no violence, no violation. The word violence is based on violation. The violation of another person's rights has to have taken place in order for there to be violence. So who's initiating violence? The police are when they try to take someone's property away or someone's freedom away because they're engaging in a consensual or nonviolent behavior. It's absurd. Anybody that can't see the absurdity on the face of it for the drug laws is under mind control. And guess what? I was once under that level of mind control. I actually believed in drug laws years and years ago in my youth. I thought it was right. I thought it was acceptable. You know, I had to admit I was wrong a long, long time ago. I had to admit that I was wrong and see it from a perspective of rights of natural law, forget man's law, from a perspective of morality, is it right for another human being to engage in violence against someone else because you don't approve of their behavior that's consensual and not harming anybody else? Of course, that's not a right to do. 
So all police are engaged in this. Even just by being in the police force, you're you're part of an organization, of a structure, of a strata of society, of an, an institution that supports violence against other people. And therefore, you cannot be considered a moral human being. It is an impossibility for you to make the claim, I'm moral, when you support violence. No one who supports violence can be a true moral human being. And in order to stop supporting that, you would have to walk away from that. The answer is quit your job, literally. It isn't about trying to you know, just say to other people, hey, this is wrong, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. It's about saying, I'm not going to be used for this purpose under any circumstances, no matter how much I'm paid. And therefore, withdraw. Withdraw support. It's the answer in every situation where there is injustice, where there is a wrong taking place, simply withdraw your support from it and stop engaging in that behavior. That's the answer. And that is that hard? Yeah, you, you damn better well believe that can be very hard to do. Is it a simple solution? It is very simple. Realizing th what the solution is, is not hard, is not difficult to recognize, but doing it is the hard part. The willpower to actually do that because of all the attachments that are entailed that go along with working in this position. Th this has become your identity. You're surrounded with certain kinds of friends. You have a certain lifestyle and a home and, and a family, etc. And therefore, all these, these attachments come into play and then somebody just becomes committed to just doing what they know is wrong. And that makes it doubly worse. And I'll bet you there's a lot of cops out there who know what they're doing is ultimately wrong and a violation of a right. They're not so brainwashed to believe that this is actually good, what they're doing, that they're, they actually have a right. They know that and still do it, which makes it willful partic participation in evil. And that is what has to ultimately stop. And if they're not going to stop it on their own, I suggest that other people have the right to stop them from doing what they're doing. We're coming up to the quick two-minute station break. We'll be right back, and we'll continue with your calls on the other side of the break. You're listening on what to What on Earth is Happening here on Oracle Broadcasting. We'll be right back. How appropriate, just as I was talking about the fact that there may come a time to have to physically stop people from abusing other people's rights, uh, that song plays. And like I said, and have said many, many weeks on this show, every single piece of effort that I put behind anything I do, whether it be my presentations, my videos, this radio show, uh, all of the information that exists on my website, everything I do in personal interactions and communications with other people is 100%. All of it is geared toward attempting to stop or prevent that eventuality. 
I am doing this to try to raise con- help to raise consciousness to a level such that we don't have to have a hot revolution. I don't know whether it's working so well, folks, though. You know, the more and more I see the state of people's consciousness out there in the world, is it changing? Yes, but all too slowly, all too slowly. And I think that the people who are still attached to the pods of the matrix, so to speak, uh, they love it in that little uh, comfortable warm pod. They love being attached, have all, having, having all of those hoses, you know, all of those hooks in them. And they're willing to fight on behalf of the machine. And so be it is what I have to say because um, a lot of the people in this world who do understand freedom aren't going to go quietly into the night, ladies and gentlemen. You can bet on it. So uh, that being said, uh, the topic for discussion today on the show is psychedelics, entheogenic employment, the employment of entheogenic compounds for the transformation of human consciousness. Um, uh, Regarding what the last caller said about YouTube, I do want to reiterate, over the next couple of weeks, I'm working to try to get some of these videos up very shortly. I will have some time, hopefully, and I will get the... um, matrix presentation up online on my YouTube channel and on my website and the uh, uh, presentation that I gave at the MUFON PA East Coast Conference as well. I also have coming up another presentation on natural law, um, a condensed presentation on natural law similar to what I gave a couple of years ago at Survive and Thrive coming up at a future Survive and Thrive meeting here in Philadelphia. So hopefully I'll get that on tape as well and be able to upload that to the website. I think that will be very beneficial to have out there in video format. And um, I will also be uh, speaking. I haven't announced this yet. I'm going to uh, get all the exact details and hopefully uh, make a public announcement next week. But I'll be speaking at the Tesla Memorial Conference in New York City at the New Yorker Hotel on the uh, anniversary of Tesla's death on January uh, 7th. I'll be speaking the day before that on January 6th in New York City on uh, Tesla and uh, uh, covert Uh, free energy technologies that have been hidden from the public and uh, not brought out for reasons of control. So uh, hopefully that will also be um, uh, put down on video and I'll be able to get that up on the website as well. I really want to enhance the video section and start to build a little bit more on the YouTube channel. So just wanted to briefly mention that before we go back to the calls. All right, the call-in number, a toll-free, 866-841-1065. Once again, toll-free, call to join us. The topic is psychedelics and drug prohibition in general, 866-841-1065. Your calls this whole hour. Here we go. Dave in Montana, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. What do you have for us? Hey, yo, Mark, how you doing, man? Good to talk to you. Great. Uh, Beaver Cannabis. Yes. Uh, a cop thought one time he had the right to smash my head against the wall and kick me in the shin because he put me smoking a plant. For possessing and smoking yeah. a plant, imagine that. Imagine. Yeah, feed your clothes, your house, you make fuel for you, medicine. That's, That's right. They don't understand. That's right. But, uh... I called up about the psychedelics. I think it's like uh, everybody should witness a birth. 
Yes. Changed the world, I think. Yes. You know, the same way with psychedelics, I think. It's like, opened my heart to more love that I never experienced before. Can be amazing. Something that I would, something that I wouldn't attempt to think, you know, and stuff like that. It, yes. It, I was in communicate, like communion with the, the earth. I, I could feel the earth spinning, you know. It shows you how many, how many perceptual blocks that we really have operating within ourselves because it, it, it opens those gates, so to speak, and uh, allows information that is always all around us to be directly experienced and communed with. And it shows you really, when, when, you, when you engage this experience, it shows you how formerly shut down you really were. And then hopefully we can maintain a level of openness as we go about our daily lives after that experience happens to be over. But we're, we're changed at a fundamental level that makes us a little bit more open to the totality of what is really there and all around us and within us. It opens your eyes up to the discipline of life and the obligation or onus. Yes, it's it's so amazing how many people are just so dead set against that level of possibility. It's like, what do they hate so much within themselves that would make them want to lash out at somebody for just wanting an experience that is all about more connectivity to the, the, the all, to, to the totality of everything around them, and, and that has the potential of making them a more empathetic and sympathetic being. Uh, what would they be opposed to? What could they possibly be afraid of? What could they possibly fear? You know, it's all about them ultimately not liking who they are. It's about them hating themselves. It's a level of self-loathing has to be present in, in within them to, for them to lash out like that against another human being just for having an experience. Experiencing, witnessing a birth as Open my eyes to a lot. I think if everyone witnessed a birth by the time they were 16 years old and was part of a delivery, right? There would be a great change in the world. There's I agree. People go through their whole life without even witnessing that, and, yep. it, and it's like the same thing with with uh, these like mescaline mushrooms, LSD. PCP, that's what I've been at, MDA. But, uh, now, can I ask you a question? Were I, you, were I, you, were they might in be messy, you know, they might person? be messy, but that's like the mess in your mind, like you were talking about. You have to, you have, you have to have, be, be a open kind of. Yes. Like in a good set setting, you know, like all you guys was talking about before. It's it's a certain it, level of preparation. It, it, reminds, it the work. reminds me, I learned this word, namaste. And, yes. and that's what it really does, man. It, it shows that we are all divine. Right. And we all are due this divine respect that is within us all. Right. And uh, namaste such a beautiful word is to recognize the divine I, in another i recognize the right. divine in you right and i respect it and and you know through we all want liberty and freedom and these things that we're talking about brings liberty and freedom because without trust without respect without onus don't have liberty or freedom. absolutely
Can I ask you something? Uh, the birth that you witnessed, you witnessed it in person? It wasn't just... Uh, yeah. In yeah, I, cut the I mean, I've seen, I've seen I've never witnessed it in person. That must be really powerful. Oh, man. Like, like I say, there would be a better world. We would live in a better world if everybody witnessed a birth of a human being and took part in bring, bringing that baby into the room. One, There's five people in there, then all of a sudden six. It, it was wonderful. I... I a lot of people think it's a bloody mess. Yeah, but that's what life is, man. Right. Well, that's what life is, and we got to deal with that. What looks like... And, so and if you're an adult, you could you could deal with that. See, a lot of people don't want to leave that uh, purity of the mom and the right. dad. So they look to the government. They look to religion. Like sure. the cops, they're more like Sanhedrin now. They're, they're implementing a way of life. And if you don't go along with this way of life, you're a sinner. You're right. a bad right. guy. You're not going yeah. along with the religion. Government's the new religion, exactly. Yeah. And this and and psychedelics also showed me that money is like the most stupidest <laughs> thing that we could use to I think live and, on this planet. Anyone that has had the experience, and then they think I'm crazy because right. I'm telling them money is insane. Anyone who has and had, then I'm the crazy one because I don't have gold fever. <laughs> Anyone who's had the experience of simply even attempting to use or engage the concept of money in during the throes of a, a psychedelic experience will <laughs> almost all agree it is the most ridiculous, funny, absurd thing that you have ever encountered. In your life, it's horror. Man. It causes so much horror and, yeah. and evil. Just and then it makes you look at fractional reserve banking. You know, then you go, well, money. Uh, what's it money about? Then you learn about, whoa, fractional. Oh, they. That's that's why money's so evil, and I could see right through it. It shows you, know, you the divine comedy of our whole experience. It really can, you know, laughter is a big part of the psychedelic experience. The throes of yeah. ecstasy and so far as, you know, getting uh, the laughing fits, etc. And that's all, I think, showing us the absurdity of what we have built up around us. And out of all possibility that we could have made, we chose to make this prison. You know, it is. And it shows sir. not, don't worry about dying. It's all about living. Yes. yes. And, it, and. Can get rid of your existential angst, I have called it, or your existential doubt. You know, believing that you are simply the body and and the mind. You know, you are the the thoughts. Uh, you know, it can get rid of that. It can show you that you're something far beyond all of that, and you are one with consciousness at a unified field level of reality itself. You know that you are, uh, you know, uh, really at one with the all. If you get a powerful enough experience if you you know engage it uh in a, in a certain uh frame of mind uh that can really become the experience and um it, for those but once you I've, see that too, you don't really need them drugs to do that either right exactly because it, it shows you the way yes and it's and it gives me a glimpse into the unseen like the spirit a lot of people think it exists you know but those are the people I think that are caught up into the physical because sure. it, it, this, there's the seen and the unseen, man. And get a little glimpse into the unseen, and sometimes you don't want to see what's in the unseen because it's you. Sure, sure.
I think that's, again, a lot of the reason that many people will dabble in the psychedelic experience, but they won't really do much work as a result because they don't want to see what it has to show them about themselves, ultimately. This is all about self-knowledge, and it's what these things are really doing is they're, they're forcing us to deal with ourselves at some level. You know, well, they don't want us awake. They don't want. They want us to think that they're the god, that their money is the god, and their way is the way. So, of course, people wouldn't. You know, who are in positions of control and power don't want anybody experimenting with something that can really show you the true nature of reality and the true nature of yourself. They want you to continue to exist in their face. Away from Earth. Right. The psychedelics draws you to Earth, and you know who who's the one that gives us life the earth and the sun sure well you brought up some great points uh very very Malu, mark it's great talking to you you always let me speak my mind you take I care like my that. friend and i i think you have a really really great point of uh, uh witnessing a birth could really uh totally uh help wake up a lot of people because they would you know be able to see that that divine expression you know in all of us uh through the actual birthing process so uh, really great call and a lot there to consider, a lot there to uh, to ponder. Okay, let's go to another caller, area code 905. 905, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hi, Mark. It's Lucas from Canada. I'm sorry, and, um, I didn't catch your name. Hello? Lucas, Canada. Lucas, welcome. Hi. Um, uh, today I want to know if it's all right, if I go over my uh, dimethyl tryptamine experience and Absolutely. hopefully get um, your interpretations of it. Absolutely. That's what we want. Okay. So first, right after I um, took the DMT, I started feeling a tingly adrenaline rush. Okay. And then um, I saw vivid colors and sharp edges. Um, then all of a sudden, patterns started coming up. Yes. Patterns that were like all-encompassing. Yes. And then... I became a part of the pattern, and then there's eyes in the pattern, and they seemed feminine, and they're looking at me, and then the pattern started moving, and then I was moving with the pattern. Wow! And then I felt like I was, then I felt like I was glitching, and then, um, uh, yeah, I felt like I was glitching, and all my, I was losing all perception. So like, left, right, up, down, we're all collapsing in on each other. Um, I saw my, like, I saw a bunch of numbers going across the screen, like I was glitching in a computer. Wow. And then I saw, I saw my skull and then like from a third person perspective, like, um, it kind of like let go, like it was a death and I had my last breath and then all these like light, all light just left me. Like it, it was like, I was made out of like light and it was all leaving me and I was all in darkness and I was kind of sad because I thought I died. And then, uh, I guess I like, I was, I was just floating in space at that point. And then I felt like I was in a roller coaster. Like it was, uh, bringing me somewhere through space. Mm -hmm. Sure. It was, it wasn't intense. But then um, I, I was moving towards um, something that I, the only way that I could describe it is a highly advanced collective database. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was, uh, I was a stored, like saved file on it. And then it showed me like my, like, I guess my file wasn't complete. Like that's the only way I interpret it. It was showing me like, I don't know, like a file or a, a battery of some sort. And it was like green on the inside, but I, it wasn't full yet. But I thought it was like, it's not like I'm not dead, you know? And then I went into the, the database and then it was an entity of itself. And then um, I was still moving towards it. Like, uh, all I saw was, like, a, a blue light. And then uh, I was surrounded by, like, these blue or, or clear loving entities. Amazing. And they're, uh, they're, just, they're just showing you, like, love. 
And then I recognized the place before. I like I knew I'd been there before. I guaranteed I was laughing. I was wow. howling. I was like, oh, I've been there before. I've been here before. And then they brought me into like a, a white box, like a giant white box. And then the feminine entities like left me. And then I was a swirling ball of like blue light in the middle of the, the white box. And the, the boxes, they looked transparent. Like there was a lot of other boxes surrounding. And then um, a black and white face popped up on the screen. And uh, one color was like inverting and the other one was like expanding. And he felt like, well, it felt all powerful and it could be scary and dangerous to mess with. But I felt like it was like loving and kind at the same time. And I showed a, b- a bit of fear and then it like, uh, it sucked up like my fear, like it ate my fear. Like, I don't know. It was like, yeah, I don't know how to really explain it, but it was the fear all of a sudden uh, disappeared. Um, and then uh, I felt like he had it. Pardon? I'm sorry. It's, it's amazing the level of clarity you were able to remember the, uh, the experience and the, the progression of the experience in. Usually it's more hazy for people, but that's great. That you, uh, Did you happen to write it down like after it happened? Is that how you were oh, able yeah. to? I had, um, yeah, I had a recorder going. So right when I came out, I started saying, so I recorded it. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. Okay, can yeah. you okay, continue? I just wanted to clarify that. Go ahead. And then uh, I felt like he, like that entity, like that was on the front screen of the box. It was made of black and white. I felt like it had expectations on me. Like I was like mighty at some point. But right. then I felt like really embarrassed. Like, I don't know. I didn't know what to say. And I felt really awkward. And then he just kept laughing at me. Like it just, just kept laughing at me. I didn't understand. And then I kind of felt like I was at its heels. Like I was a, like a dog kind of in a submissive, you know, like head down. And he was kind of like the more like, kind of like above, like looking at me, you know, like on a higher level. And then, and then, um, then since I didn't say anything, like I felt like I was leaving and then I think he ate me, but then I, I saw like black and white flashing, like checkerboard. And then, um, as I was leaving, like, I didn't want to waste my time cause I wanted to say something. And I, I said, I'd, I'd help defeat the new world order. And then I was like spinning out of it, like in a vortex and he was laughing at me and I felt like everything had been predetermined, like everything. I don't <laughs> know. It just didn't feel like, I don't know. And then. Um, I felt, I felt like, uh, getting more in contact with my body. It was like a vortex feeling. And then I thanked the spirits for my experience. I felt, uh, very clammy and like, I was, a like a, a big energy conductor. Like I was a big watery energy conductor, like my body. And then I just felt more in touch with life and like less stressful and everything. Wow. Now this, uh, as seemingly bizarre as it seems to people is somewhat typical of the strangeness of a really deep uh, experience with dimethyltryptamine, uh, what would be considered a breakthrough experience with complete with entities. I like at the beginning how you described that uh, the geometries that you were seeing became, you became that. You were like at one mm. with the entire thing. This is something I've experienced during the employment of dimethyltryptamine as well, that um, it's all one substance, if you will, that you're visually seeing a representation of in the throes of the experience. Because I think what that is, is you're seeing the unified field level of consciousness. And it's all one thing, but presenting itself in different forms or structures or geometries. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the entities that you encountered, um, I feel, are representations of the higher self. And they're they're beings, they're... um, presences that are there to alert you to certain work or changes that perhaps you 
uh, have to work on in yourself. And I think you becoming the, the submissive dog is you saying, I'm open to the work that I still need to do. And I, I'm willing to do that. It isn't that, you know, you were like in a challenging position with them. It was like them saying, well, um, you know, you were saying that you were under them and they were over you. So I look at like, that is mm. like your lower will is saying, I'm willing to do the higher wills work, the higher wills bidding, the, the bidding of the higher self, you know, to help raise consciousness up and defeat this dark cabal that, you know, you, as you said, you called the new world order. Um, and basically, um, I think it, the laughter is all about the, the divine comedy, the, the absurdity of everything that we've built up around ourselves and how really what we need to do is simply w take a step back from it, take a look at it and realize the absurdity of it and then le leave it, let it go, release it, release attachment to it. So many people don't have that connection with that, you know, complete absurdity of what we've built up around us that they are still in that serious frame of mind to believe, oh, that all of this stuff that we think is real actually is real, you know, and it matters and it has to be protected and we have to make people conform. Like the gentleman on the last call said, it's a new religion and it's all about making people accept it and making them conform to it. And I think an experience like this shows you how important the release from attachment is and what you're ultimately doing in releasing from that attachment is you're stepping into the slipstream of the higher will and um, then the journey of life becomes more um, enjoyable, bearable, tolerable and you know that what you're doing is geared toward the, the, uh, uh, the higher will and it's geared toward the right. You know, so... Um, that's to, to me is my interpretation of an experience like that. But in all honesty, no one can really interpret your experience but yourself. And it sounds like you've integrated it very well. There's, you know, the that after experience known as integration, where you have to really attempt to make sense of what you were shown because what you were shown doesn't necessarily translate in this world. You know, you have to mm -hmm. revisit it mentally and go back over it again and again and, you know, uh, take a deeper look at some of the symbolism or geometries or presences that you experienced uh, in the throes of the experience or the trip. And again, travel, you, you, like you, you said, you were traveling. Uh, that's another big motif in the DMT experience of, of actual travel, you know, from one place to another. Yes. Yeah. So um, it sounds like you did a lot of good preparatory work. Your set and setting was very good, and you integrated the experience very well, especially through uh, writing down, uh, you know, actually taking a pen and paper or, and writing the experience down afterward uh, so that you could have clarity because the freshest it's going to be is, is as soon as you come out of it, and uh, that's the time to record it. And that's something I didn't really take work to do. I have a fairly decent memory, which, you know, I'm lucky to have, but. Um, I wish I would have even written down some of my experiences right after because it does seem that they really dissipate very quickly, almost as if a dream, um, uh, right after you're out of the experience. So uh, that's uh, something that I think you did that is very good that other people should take note of, too. Thank you. And uh, just a little thing, like I remember uh, Terrence McKenna, he had a quote saying that uh, dimethyltryptamine was like uh, divine wisdom falling through the... the yeah, the cracks of your fingers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, it it dissipates very quickly once uh, you know the um, 
the uh, experience is wearing off. It's it's like a dream leaving you that you're you know struggling to remember, um, kind of hazy. Um, even though the experience is very vivid and distinct, you know afterward it's it's very difficult to remember or to really um, uh, attempt to make sense of. And again, I think that's why it's a good technique to use a, a, an audio recorder or to have uh, some form of note taking uh, capability by your side. So that you can, you know, put as much down as you can, uh, and then go over it. So that is a, a, an awesome uh, experience report. I want to thank you for sharing that. Uh, did you have anything else for us? Nope, that's all. Thank you very much. Absolutely. I'm my call and uh, great call, and, and uh, it gives people a little bit of a verbal, um, you know. Uh, uh, ability uh, through through words to try to put it into words for people to uh, take in the experience from a verbal point of view. And what I would say is, of course, words are always going to fall short when it comes to such uh, uh, deep level experiences of the psyche. So the only way to really understand what this experience can show you is to engage it. And um, that has to be done in a, in a respectful way and let go of fear and simply uh, want to engage in an experience that can show you some higher aspect of the self if you so wish to see it. And um, what I would uh, suggest for people is to go and read and listen and watch other people's exper uh, experience reports. You can go to YouTube and type in DMT experience, uh, you know, DMT report, you know, uh, it, DMT type DMT experience reports, ayahuasca experience reports on the web, read the experiences, see what other people are encountering. And that won't necessarily color your experience. I, I found that uh, even engaging in the experience multiple times with similar uh, substance, it can be completely different each time and have a completely different motif and a completely different message for you. Um, it, for me, it was different every single time. And um, uh, I, I've seen other people that will say the same thing, that they'll pull different things from the experience at, at different times that they did it, around different situations with different people. So, it's a unique experience. It's tailored for you. It's personalized for you. There's a message in it for you. And ultimately, you know, you can go to other people for their interpretations, but ultimately the introspective work that you do to decode the experience, that's what it's all about. And it's there for you. So again, thanks for the uh, very interesting report and uh, very detailed, vivid uh, recollection. So thanks for that. Let's go to another call and see what we have here area code 269 you're live on what on earth is happening 269 welcome to the show what do you have for us hello mark yes thank you for doing what you do um who, who are we speaking I wanted, with? pardon me who are we speaking with my name is kyle kyle welcome thank you um, I just wanted to uh, relate a healing experience I had on entheogens. Sure. Um, a number of years ago, I had a near-fatal asthma attack. Okay. And, and was hospitalized and uh, intubated. And um, while I was... Uh, so I went through this experience for 10 days... 
and then uh, I was um, I was thought to I was it was assumed I would die, and somehow I came out of it. And sometime after that, um, I was around a group of friends who began to tell me that while I was in the hospital, they were sexually abusing me. Wow. While I was being intubated. And so it's as if, I mean, you talk about mind, body, consciousness, and natural law. Every one of those was violated in uh, just, just in being told this. And um, I've always been an intuitive person who's been very... Um, um, you know, giving, and uh, and so I began to feel very betrayed by this circle of friends that were telling me this. Right. And, and at first they were telling me this, I thought it was some kind of a joke. And because this particular hospital I was in was had a very open attitude about uh, allowing people to visit, and, you, you know, they were very loose about allowing uh, friends and, and non-family to visit. Okay. You know, I don't really have a family, you know, my family, I always thought my family was my friends. And um, so they began telling me, one after the other, that they were abusing me in various ways while I was under the influence of whatever drug they were keeping me under while I was intubated. Wow. And um, this began to um, really break me down. Hello, did we lose you? No, no I'm still okay. I'm just having trouble talking about that. I've never talked about this before. And I began to realize that all these people that I thought were my friends weren't, because what friends would say that to you? Right. And, um... So anyway, more and more time went on, and, um... I, you know, just kind of fucked it up and dealt with that, and I put these people behind me, and mm -hmm. um, not not as far as they should have been behind me at the time. And then I went on, I went to Europe to do some work, and um, and then I experienced um, DMT while I was in England. Okay. And um, that began to open doors to make me realize that um, um, that these people were sick. Sure. They were saying. And um, and it began to uh, it, it really helped me and and the more you know and and when I came back I I began to uh, experiment with more entheogens and um, it's it's I just wanted to say that uh, that it's it's been very healing for me at least to understand sure. the sick the sickness of the people that would say this to me. Um, you know, as helpless as I was, tell me that. And um, I don't know, it's very it's very difficult to talk about. I've never spoken about it before, so these words have never really, you know, passed my lips before. So it's, uh, you know, as I, I'm getting a little emotional as I'm... Oh, that, that's fine. That's understandable. But the, the experience of um, looking at it from a different perspective through the use or the uh, employment of the entheogenic substance uh, really helped uh, go a long way toward your healing and actually moving past and, you know, and getting over the, the, the trauma of that experience. Would you it, say that it, that's... It, 
yes, it, it, it yes, Mark, it, it really helped me get past that. I mean, I mean, there were several elements. One of these people were my employer. Okay. So ever since then, I'm not, I'm no, I've not been employed for several years. So, I mean, it's in many ways, the whole thing destroyed my life, and um, and left me, you know, without many friends, really, even to this day. And this is, right. I mean, six years ago, this happened. And, um, you know, I found myself rather removed from the rest of the world because of that. And, um, but I will say, so I was, I was, uh, you know, I began to shake uncontrollably at one point. And I really, at the time it started happening, I didn't really know what caused it. I just started shaking. And so I saw a doctor and he put me on some antidepressant medication. Mm Mm-hmm. This only made things worse. Sure. Uh, I think citalopram was the drug I was put on. Which yet is basically they, a, they want people uh, on these substances to numb out the, um, the uh, emotions so that they can't actually come to a level of empathizing and come to a level of deeper understanding through work within the self of you know the imbalances that do exist both within themselves and other people. They just want people ignoring that and pushing it away, pushing it away, and not being able to experience the emotions, which is the, the worst thing you could possibly do because th- those are our guidance system for the, the proper direction that we need to go in life as far as uh, compassion and, and uh, empathy toward other people goes. So um, uh, I, I assume you uh, eventually worked or weaned your way away from those compounds and, um, you know, really did that, the internal work that you needed to do with, uh, you know, uh, with yourself, your own consciousness, your, you know, working through these issues within, exploring, you know, um, uh, again, the underlying reasons and imbalances that these people did what they did, and hopefully coming to you know some a level of being able to you know forgive at a higher level and then move on with you know your life for yourself. But um, you you eventually weaned off of these um, antidepressants that these doctors had you on. Well, I was on the citalopram, and it 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 really made me worse. Right, because uh, there was an inner an inner force that was causing me to break through whatever mask the pharmaceutical was trying to put on yes. the situation. Yes. And so it, it broke out even more. So I finally, and then people kept, these people actually had the nerve to keep ribbing me about this. And in my, it, 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 this bled into my entire social life. And I finally went to the police. It, it made me feel like I was raped. I mean, here I was, um, intubated and, and helpless, and, and I actually began to remember things. Um, and whatever medication they had me on, and that's another discussion, I was traveling through time on this stuff and, and all sorts of things, but when I finally came out of it, um, you know, uh, when I finally came out from under the citalopram, I went to the police, which who laughed at me. Hmm. And um, and they investigated it, but only on the most perfunctory level, and it right. was kind of, you know, it just didn't go anywhere. And I, I felt like, you know, I, I shouldn't have. It just, it just drove me to 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 crazy points. So I finally turned to 
because it was hard to find any, and I had remembered when I was younger taking certain entheogens like mushrooms and things like that. And now, of course, it's difficult to come by these things some, in some sure. places. Of course. But I they want to make it as difficult as possible. Well, they sure did. And, but I'll tell you, a healing substance that I found was something uh, invented by Sasha Shulgin, who was, uh, who I'm sure you know who I'm talking oh, of course. about who was experimenting with synthetic forms of mescaline. And one of his synthetic forms of mescaline was a substance called um, 2CE and 2CI. Well, I found 2CI was an extremely healing substance. It was the best thing I could come to, you know, to getting my hands on legally, because a a couple of years ago you could actually buy that stuff. Right. So I actually found it and got some and was working with it and it really really helped me and it helped me get off the the citalopram and um and i'm obviously i'm still dealing with this and sure. um and I, maybe i'll always deal with this satanic situation that was being imposed on me but at, at but, least I, I think what what these uh substances helped you to do is uh, build up your own will to actually deal and confront the situation uh, instead of numbing out the emotions that the situation may have made you feel. Um, and I think that's better than you know doing nothing or just um, accepting what conventional quote medicine is going to give you in the way of antidepressants. You know that that means you're not actually dealing with the root causal factor of the trauma. You're just burying it and masking the symptoms so that you're closing receptor sites so you can't experience those emotions. And that's always a bad thing because those emotions are there for a reason and ultimately to, to do the work to uh, deal with that shadow material, with that darkness, is uh, will uh, bring you through the experience stronger on the other side. So it sounds ultimately, like that. You're, it sounds like that is what happened ultimately with you, and you came out on the other side stronger as a result, in spite of the experience. Right. I really did, and and you know, I'm, it's 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 an ongoing work, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm I'm getting better and uh, I feel better about it. I'm glad I was able to talk to you about it to the extent that I've been able to communicate it. And, sure. Um, well, I want to thank know, you for for sharing the experience. Uh, we have had so many great calls, and uh, you know that takes a lot of courage to open up about a traumatic experience and uh, share with how um, uh, entheogens helped you to move uh, through that, and you know, like I said, emerge stronger on the other side. Very much so. Thank you, Mark. You got it. Thanks, Kyle, for the call and for sharing that experience. Wow. We've had some great calls here today so far, and uh, that was really, um, you know, again, took a lot of courage for someone to come out and relate a traumatic experience like that. But uh, that is the power of some of these compounds. They can really help us to uh, engage the emotions and work through something that has been traumatic and, um, you know, show us deeper levels of ourselves and even confront the uh, all-powerful uh, but very difficult work of, of um, you know, moving past something that has been extremely painful for us. Also, forgiveness uh, can be incorporated in that as well, which is a big part of moving through trauma. So, a very, very interesting call there. Let's move on to another caller. Uh, let's hear from Nathan in Arizona. Nathan, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm well. 
Right. Um, I just, uh, a couple of things I'd like to bring to light. Um, John Irvin's uh, recent research, um, uh, anybody, you know, it seems like it's created quite a, a wedge in the psychedelic uh, community, and I, I, I really think I, I'm, you know, would like to just point out that um, without critical thinking, um, you know, psychedelics have been used for uh, manipulation uh, on the masses. Can be done. Right? And, yeah. and It has been so done. I, I don't... Right. And Jan Irvin's going to be there uh, on uh, Free Your Mind Conference, right? Sure. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, so, you know, I, I have uh, countless experiences uh, throughout my teens and 20s. I have a family, so, you know... Pretty much uh, right edge now, but um, I'm frustrated with the fact that they are Schedule One, most of them Schedule of Two uh, drugs, and and we can't get proper research. We right. can't get proper set and setting. Sure. And our mind, our minds, as a, as the, the general public, have you know we haven't been provided. We've been provided compulsory curriculum. Um, you know, like the Prussian education system all these years and generations have gone by and uh, critical thinking everybody puts their logic before their grammar and to really get uh, the full potential out of an experience uh, whether it's psychedelic or any experience if you don't have uh, the proper filters uh, installed from you know the trivium the quadrivium right. just not putting the cart before the horse more or less um, you know, I think, uh, it's really, uh, um, really haven't gotten us much, you know, we really have not been able to progress in the most important area, um, that, uh, we need to pro progress, I think, as a, as a species. Um, so I would like to just say, you know, like a, a guy was talking earlier about, um, seeing a, uh, the, the birth of a, of a human being happen. Sure. Um, you know, would it be too much to say, let's everybody, you know, that, that's had all these experiences consider, I mean, all, we all do, we all have, most of us uh, from time to time, but really just, um, you know, if, if we want it to not be a Schedule 1 Schedule two drug. If we, if we want to uh, decriminalize all these these things, we can actually get real progress in, in uh, not in this world, but in uh, I guess maybe the kingdom from within. Actually, letting it come out. Um, you know, maybe we should all be a little bit more sober and uh, determined, and use that determination um, to really figure out what it is to be liberated, what it is to um, right. uh, be independent. Sure. Um, and as, I don't know. That, that's the only thing I, I have um, 
so many experiences that I can share with you guys. I'm sure. Uh, well, I think uh, I think those are all really great, valid points. And you know, we have to be aware that yes, anything can be used for good or ill, depending on whether it is being used for its intended purpose or whether it is being abused, used in the wrong way for uh, methods of control. I think there's probably. Um, uh, many other things that have worked more effectively for control of in the dominator's tool set than psychedelics, television being the biggest drug in the world. I think the most abused drug on earth is television, and television is a drug. It's something that people would not consider a drug, and it is. And these things, which are psychedelics and, and entheogens, which uh, many people would consider drugs, I don't consider drugs. I consider television a deeper, hardcore drug than any entheogenic compound in the world, personally. Um, and that's a drug that most people are hooked on and you know couldn't put down for a day uh, without serious withdrawal. Um, that's a mind control drug. You know they're being fed a specific version of reality that they're addicted to, that they are hooked on. And um, you know it is about breaking those attachments. And absolutely, what you said is valid. You have to go in with knowledge. You can't. You know, the, like you said, people put the logic before the grammar, and that can't be done. You have to gather your information f first, ladies and gentlemen. Don't step into something blind. Do your homework. Do your research. The reason people have experimented with certain things and put out information there is so other people won't necessarily have to take the torturous route of uh, trial and error and, uh, you know, self-experimentation and, uh, you know, making a whole lot of painful mistakes. You can gain a lot of um uh, knowledge simply by uh, doing your own homework on all of this material and uh, uh, entering into the experience in an informed way. So that's really good advice as well. Uh, regarding, um, you know, uh, the infighting that you were talking about in the psychedelics community about who's involved with what and you know uh, whether somebody was genuine. Not every single person is going to have the full picture. There are statements people are going to be made that are wrong that are based on uh, the, their worldview not being you know fully healed and intact. Um, there are also you know uh, you know things regarding um, you know what is actually going on in the world that people have wrong or could have bought into that are put out there by others but that doesn't necessarily make one you know an agent of the dark side either so i think we have to engage you know logical filters there as well to, to say okay someone might have held this opinion which is kind of uh, similar to an opinion of one of the dark uh, you know side but that doesn't ma necessarily make them one of them it just ma might make them uninformed or wrong about that particular aspect that they happen to be talking about. So, I mean, that's what I try to also caution people to. Uh, just because you don't agree with what one person says doesn't make them working for, you know, a, you know, a mind control um, operation or, you know, means that they're, they're uh, it shadow op uh, insiders. It, it simply means they might not be correct about that one aspect of reality that they're talking about at the time, and their worldview may not be fully healed and integrated. 
so that's another thing I think we should be careful about. But uh, all really great, valid points, especially the part that you bring up about really, uh, you know, doing your homework, no- knowing what you're getting into before engaging it, and that's all openly available to us at this time in history through that little thing called the internet if we use it properly as a tool, uh, uh, you know, for our edification and our uplift uh, in consciousness. So, uh, thanks so much for the call, Nation. Real, uh, Nathan, really uh, great points that you uh, brought up for consideration. So, thanks. Let's uh, let's take another call at area code six zero two. I'm sorry, six one seven six one seven. You are live on what on earth is happening? Welcome. Hey, Mark. Uh, my name is Brandon. Can you hear me? Hey, Brandon. How are you? Coming in loud and clear. All right, great. Um, I uh, just wanted to thank you for, uh, I've been listening to this show uh, since the very beginning, and uh, you've taken me through quite the journey, my friend, so I'm a stern supporter of everything you do. You're so passionate about everything you do. You've opened my eyes to symbol literacy, which I really wasn't getting, but uh, so I just wanted to thank you. But on well, um, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm trying to support you up here in Boston as much as I can, but, um, you know, the print of the flyers around the colleges for the Free Your Mind 2 conference. But uh, I want to talk about you know, Jim's on topic here. Sure. Um, what, I, what I've experienced is that um, uh, I have a friend who you, you talked about that, that crucial chakra let's say, the part, moment where it's, and Joseph Campbell talked about this, where um, you can either go up or down. Right. You cannot evade it, or you can either go to the deep level of it. And I have a friend, we're kind of opposite. I'll take the entheogens, and I'll go inner, and I want complete darkness. I want to talk and have a, an eye and bow conversation right. with a uh, symbiotic entity that is exactly as um, it seems like, you know, um, they have a, a pattern to it, almost a, a scientifically verifiable method. Um, it can be falsified, you know, all these different things about it that are great. Um, whereas he, he doesn't really want to, he's afraid of going down. I think it's not the heart chakra, but almost the stomach chakra. He's afraid of going below and really facing the, the the demons that are within himself. So what he does is he opens his eyes and he runs around and, you know, um, plays games, does push-ups, and he runs up mountains. And, yeah, that's all great and great to experience nature and touch and feel and see all these great things and stuff. And But, I mean, I think the real way to do it in a proper setting is to um, experience it in high doses in complete silence and darkness. And... Um, Yes, and, m- many advocate uh, that approach. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and what I've learned is, you know, when I went back, first time out with me, um, I, I started to get nauseous, and I ran to a hillside, just kind of collapsed. I thought I was going to die, and I heard a, a buzzing in my ear. Kind of, kind of, it was a, almost like an ohm. It was this, got really loud. And um, after that, um, I, 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 I was always in, almost in tears, and I closed my eyes, and the darkness, all of a sudden, 
I could I could focus on little little pieces of light, and when I did, they became clear, and they they trans into those photonic solids that we talked about, and they overlapped each other, and they were geometric, and I realized it was an entity, and and I laughed, and, and the first thing I said was, "There you are. That's the thing I've been looking looking for for my whole life, and it was right there, in right in between my temple, right in my eyes, between my eyes." So. Um, but wow. another thing, that's my experience. So one more thing is, it, sure. I think it brings to that archetype level as well. You get to see people as archetypes. My friend right. said I turned into an old man at one point. Um, I think that there's an important thing about, you know, stimuli during a trip or a, um, experience, but, um, I think the set and setting should be really reverential to the, to the, um, the plant or substance itself. Um, and, you know, because we really don't know too much. I mean, we know a lot, but we don't know too much. And, and and it has to be combined with some sort of other spiritual practice, whether it be, you know, some kind of meditation or, or uh, you know, even if it's, you know, reading. You know, sure. Not too many people read anymore. Sure. Uh, my meditation is reading. And I think... Um, you know, if you, could, if you don't combine spiritual practice with entheogen, uh, the combination of both is great. But if you just go with the entheogens, you get things like Burning Man. And you yeah, get, you, you'll end up with a right-brained form of chronic imbalance if you did only that with no, um, you know, other practice like you're talking about. We, we maintaining yeah. balance is the key here, and again. These are the most transformative to those who are already in a left brain, overly five sense attached uh, worldview. Um, uh, that left brain modality that when it's chronically dominant, one becomes like a dominator or, you know, uh, you know, overly analytical, logical uh, and, and, um, you know, uh, not engaging enough in the intuitive and in the uh, creative aspects of life and in the nurturing and empathic side of the personality. So uh, that's those are the people I think that it can have the greatest benefit for if they're open-minded enough to give it a chance uh, to, and it can work wonders on them if they have that open-minded approach. But um, I agree. Uh, it is not simply to engage over and over and over just because you feel like doing it and therefore, uh, you know, can put you, if you did were to do that or to use it in some form of escapist means, uh, uh, it can put you toward that right brain form of imbalance, in which case you're not really paying attention to much of what's really going on around you and you end up not caring because you're like drifting in some sort of a spiritual uh, haze or fuzziness that isn't, you're, there's no grounding in the real world then, you know? Right. And it, I'll give you just a really quick example. This this friend of mine, it, we're always opposites. Um, he went up to a place in California, to Topanga Canyon, right off the cliffs of Malibu called... Um, uh, it's called a uh, tribal oasis and it's mm -hmm. a big kind of burning man, 13 acre Indian reservation uh, place. So we went there and did, uh, took some entheogens and I sat there and I sat in one room in one position and you could hear every little <laughs> noise you could hear sure. making love from the, I mean, it was a whole village. Can make you know, the senses extremely acute, you know? Yeah. And this and, and tune them my, with my, nature. 
he, he sorry, but he just he he came in. He was so loud. He was he was oh. just like looking at me. Look at this. Look at that. He's like, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'm going to do what you're doing. I'm going to sit and meditate. Right. And that's the complete. You can't will. You don't will yourself to meditate. I'm just right. just laughing to myself. And then, then lo and behold, a person came up and said, "Can you shut up? <laughs> you know, um, we're trying to sleep." And I said, "I told you." And then he was very much aware of. Um, what happened right right yeah it can definitely but put think- you in, in that height, heightened state and um get you to attune your senses with nature and uh again it can also expose things that you, you are doing that you're not consciously aware of and you know uh expose that and then make you aware of your own behavior and how you might need to make course corrections or uh, adjustments to that behavior so I want to thank you for sharing that experience, and we're running almost out of time here on the show, less than a minute left, but so, thank you so much for the call, and uh, all really phenomenal calls the whole show today. Uh, the, the, the listeners who called in, I want to thank for sharing their experiences with us and bringing up some really valid points. Um, remember, this is all about use versus abuse and understanding the proper context, the, the, the sacred context, the conscious context to employ these uh, powerful transformative tools in. It's all about personal responsibility and ultimately it's all about self-ownership, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, there's only two mistakes one can make on the path to truth, not starting and not going all the way. That's all the time we have for this edition of What on Earth is Happening. We'll see you right here next week, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Good night.